Little Johnny was uh, known to be a troublemaker in school, and he uh, often stretched the truth a little bit. One day they were having show and tell, and he told a story. He said, Teacher, over the summer I went fishing, and I caught a fish that weighed 400 pounds, reeled it in all by myself, got it in the boat. Teacher said, Now, Johnny, you know that's not true. He said, Yes, ma'am, fish weighed 500 pounds, and I reeled it in. She said, Now, Johnny, you're stretching the truth. Ma'am, it weighed 600 pounds, and I reeled it in and got it in the boat all by myself. She said, that's it. You're going to the principal's office for telling lies. And so they went down to the principal's office, and she said, tell the principal your story, and he did. And the principal said, son, I just want to show you how ridiculous that story is. Let me tell you a story. I went bear hunting. I leaned my gun up against a tree to take a break. And while I was out there bear hunting, the bear got in between me and my gun, and I was not able to get to my gun, and that bear was 15 feet tall and weighed two tons, and he was about to eat me when all of a sudden a little tiny uh, chihuahua dog ran out of the woods, jumped on that bear, uh, attacked him, killed him, and ate him all up. Do you believe that story's true? Johnny said, yes, sir, I do. That's my dog. Now, you know, sometimes things are just unbelievable. Certainly, both of those stories are unbelievable. Uh, even in real life, you know, sometimes there are things that are unbelievable. Have you ever heard of, uh, I'm sure you've heard of North Korea's leader today, uh, Kim Jong-un, but his father, Kim Jong-il, did all kinds of things that are just unbelievable. They claimed that his memory was phenomenal, that he memorized all these uh, various numbers and things. Uh, Kim was quoted as saying, I remember all the computer codes and the telephones that the workers are using in our country today. He claimed that he could remember all the numbers. Uh, at a meeting in 2002, the officials said they were impressed when Kim recalled all of their phone numbers with lightning speed. He was also said to have written operas. They believed that he signed his name to them, but the others wrote them. Piloting jet fighters, producing movies, all of these things that there's no evidence that he ever did. I suppose the one that takes the cake is they said that the first time he ever played golf, he had 11 holes in one. At any rate, he stretched the truth. Things that were unbelievable. Now, you know, sometimes people will believe things uh, even when it's not true. And then there are times when people will hear the truth and they won't want to believe that. Josh McDowell, the author of Evidence That Demands a Verdict, said people refuse to believe that which they don't want to believe in spite of the evidence. When explorers first went to Australia, they found a mammal which laid eggs, spent some time in the water, some time on land, had a broad, flat tail, webbed feet, and a bill like a duck. 
Now, we know that as a duck-billed platypus. But upon their return to England, they told people of this, and the people just felt like it was unbelievable, that it was a hoax. Finally, some explorers went back, and they brought back one of the pelts from one of these animals that had died and showed it to them, and the people still refused to believe, even though the evidence was there. Sometimes people won't believe things even when they see the evidence. We started this series a couple of weeks ago called Why I Believe because we're looking at reasons why we can believe various things about God. And so today we move forward. Of course, we've looked at why I believe God is creator, why I believe the Bible is God's word, Today, I want to raise this question. Why should we believe Jesus is the Son of God? I mean, if you think about it, the story's pretty far-fetched, isn't it? Uh, that Jesus was once a spiritual being in heaven. He came to earth. He's God's Son. He came down and showed us the way to live. And then, and then while He was here on earth, He was uh, sentenced through a trial, put to death on a cross, buried in a tomb, and then he raised back to life. That is a pretty phenomenal story. But you know, the fact is, many, many people believe that story. Now, there are various reasons why people believe it. Some people believe just because they want to go to heaven. Some people believe just because they don't want to go to hell. I talked to a guy one time, and he said to me, Preacher, I don't want to go to heaven or hell. I want to go somewhere else. I said, well, God didn't give us that option. Well, I want that option. Well, just because you want it don't mean you can get it. The real reason we should believe is because it's true and because it's life-changing if you believe and you follow Jesus Christ. So we're going to look today at why we can believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. Uh, it's on page 797 in your pew Bible, if you did bring a Bible. Of course, the gospel, uh, this is the first gospel in our New Testament written by Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. Now, tax collectors were despised by the Jews. Matthew was a Jew himself. In fact, all of the apostles were Jews. So you can imagine that Matthew probably had to take a little ridicule from some of the other apostles because of being a tax collector. They were despised because they were in cahoots with the Roman government. But Matthew's life was changed forever by Jesus. He wrote this gospel, in fact, to convince the Jewish people that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. So read with me here in Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to begin at verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. So Jesus asked the question, Who do people say I am? And then he makes it specific. 
who do you say I am? I want to help you today with some reasons to believe. There's ample reasons that we can believe. You know, if we believe that God is creator, according to Genesis 1-1, He is, and if He is, and He created all this, then anything that the Bible says is possible. If you believe the Bible is God's Word, as we looked at this week, then you have to realize that the books of the New Testament, written by apostles and their cohorts, are pretty much eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus. So really, it's easy to believe if we just read the Bible. And the more we read, the more we'll come to understand who Jesus is. But let's look at some reasons. First of all, Jesus claimed he was the Son of God. In Matthew 16, verse 17, we just read, he confirms what Peter said. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's basically saying, you got it right, Peter. And it was not revealed to you by mankind, <coughs> but it was revealed to you through heaven. Peter did claim, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You know, that's what we call the good confession. Christians have been making that good confession for thousands of years now. We ask people to make that confession when they place membership in our church. You know, at Jesus' baptism, Matthew chapter 3 records that there was a voice that came from heaven that said, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. Also, at Jesus' transfiguration, recorded in Matthew 17, there was that same voice from heaven, the voice of God. This is my Son, with Him I am well pleased. You know, most people don't challenge the fact that Jesus said that He was the Son of God. Except a few people do. The Muslims do. They say that He claimed that He's just a good man, that He's a prophet, but He's not the Son of God. But Jesus did claim He was the Son of God. And the voice from heaven said He was the Son of God. Now, some people say that's not a big deal because aren't we all just sons of God? Not really. We're all created by God. But if you look at the Bible, especially if you go to the, to the Old Testament, only the people that were the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, were part of the family of God. Everyone was not called a child of God especially the Gentile people, that is, the non-Jewish people. Now, you could convert to Judaism, and then you would be considered a child of God, part of the family of God. But when you think about it, Jesus saying He's the Son of God, He's making a unique claim. In fact, in John 1.14 and in John 3.16, it calls Him, Jesus says, He is the one and only Son of God. The word there in the Greek means the unique one. The only true Son of God. The, um, so Jesus is making this unique claim. In another verse, in John 5, 18, 
He said, for this reason, they tried to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. So over and over again, Jesus claimed that he was the Son of God. In John 10, verse 30 and 31, again, the Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. You see, again, the Jewish leaders wanted to kill him because they knew that he claimed to be the Son of God and God in the flesh. Now, there's two things y'all think about. Those guys were educated men. They admitted that he had done some miracles, but they still said he wasn't the Son of God. They didn't misunderstand what Jesus said. They knew that Jesus himself claimed that he was the Son of God. And no doubt from the Scriptures that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. I like what C.S. Lewis, the famous author, the atheist who became a Christian, said. I think we got the quote to go up here. I am trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Him. That's Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept His claim to be God. Many people say that. This is the one thing that we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Now it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend. And consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. You know, Lewis offers what has been called the trilemma. You have three choices. You can say, well, Jesus was a lunatic. He was just a crazy guy claiming he was God. Or he was a flat-out liar. He, he knew he wasn't the Son of God, but he claimed to be. He was just lying to get a following. Or the third option is he really was the Son of God. That's what we have to look at. And he claimed to be the Son of God. There's evidence that backs up Jesus' claim. You know, anybody can claim to be God. We can claim to be anything we want to be. I could claim to be an, an Iranian jet pilot, but most of you know that's not true. But the question is, what does the evidence say? Well, there are Old Testament prophecies. You know, there are prophecies in the Old Testament that point to the coming Messiah 
and over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament were fulfilled in the life of Jesus. Here's some of them. Micah 5.2, that he would be born in Bethlehem. He was. Isaiah 53, that he would be a suffering servant, that he would be pierced, and that he would die. All of those came true when he died on the Roman cross. Now the thing about the piercing is, the nails pierced Jesus' hands, but that was written in a day before they did crucifixion. If they were going to kill somebody, they'd chop their head off back in the day when that was written. So the piercing part is really part of the prophecy that would come true in Jesus being nailed to a cross. Psalm 22, that they would gamble for his garments. Isaiah 7, 14, that he would be born of a virgin. Isaiah 6, 9 says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is the King of God's kingdom. That, Scripture too was fulfilled in the life of Jesus. So the Old Testament prophecies point to his being who he said he was. How about his sinless life? You know, God is holy. And if God is holy, that means God is sinless. And if Jesus is the Son of God, then he must be sinless. You know, Jesus' enemies followed him around looking to trap him in something. But they never could get anything on him. Nothing, at least, unless they made up some lie. Even when they called him a blasphemer, that was only true if it was not true. But it was true. Pilate, the Roman official that had Jesus crucified, said, I find no basis for a charge against him. In fact, Pilate said that three times in the 19th chapter of John. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. This sinless man was a sacrifice paid the penalty for our sins. Hebrews 4.15, speaking of Jesus, says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus lived a sinless life. Another reason is the miracles he performed. There's really strong evidence for the miracles, that Jesus walked on water, that he healed the sick, raised the dead. Jesus himself caused these miracles as witnesses, even in a time when people were alive that could say, you didn't do that. But there were plenty of people that would say, he did do that. In John 5, 36, Jesus said, the very works that I'm doing testify that the Father has sent me. John 10, 25, the works, the miracles I do in my Father's name testify about me. Listen to these words from John chapter 10, verse 37 and 38. This is Jesus speaking. Do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Jesus says over and over, 
the, the miracles that I do point to the fact that I am who I say I am. Why do you think the disciples followed Jesus? Why do you think that so many people in the first century followed Jesus? You think that they did it because he told good stories? You think maybe they, they followed him just because he went up against tradition or he went up against the, the religious leaders of the day and got them all right out? Why do you think the disciples left their jobs and followed him? It was because of the powerful works that he did, the miracles that he did. And then there's one miracle that really stands out, and that's another piece of the evidence, and that's the resurrection. Jesus pointed to it as the ultimate evidence. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, he talks about the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The indication is there, yes, he's going to die, but he'll only be in there for three days. And then he'll come out. And we believe that he did. We'll talk more about the resurrection here in a couple of weeks when we say why I believe the resurrection is true. No doubt Jesus was dead, but no doubt that many witnesses saw him alive after he had died, including the apostles. Before they saw the resurrected Jesus, they were down and out, ready to quit this whole thing and forget about it. But after they saw him, they went out and started a revolution that changed the world. They believed that he was resurrected. Here's a third reason, and that's the countless lives that have been changed by faith in Jesus. You know, anyone who truly comes to know Jesus is left different. You think about some of the various groups that were changed. The people he ministered to in his day. You know, he healed people with leprosy and people possessed by demons. He healed a woman that had been uh, bleeding for 12 years simply because she touched his cloak, the hem of his garment. Power went out from him. And she was healed, even after she had exhausted all her money going to various doctors. He healed blind people and lame people. Once, four guys so believed that he could heal their friend that they took a paralytic, climbed up on a roof because the crowd was so big they couldn't get in the house where Jesus was. They cut a hole in the roof and lowered him down. And Jesus healed the man right there in front of everybody. One man was blind, and Jesus healed him, and he testified even before the Pharisees, despite the fact that they said they're going to kick him out of the synagogue if he keeps up this stuff. He said, listen, all I know is I was blind, and now I see. He raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. He raised the widow's son at Nain from the dead. He raised Lazarus from the dead. And many other miracles could be recounted. Lives were touched. People were changed. They were never the same again. They believed. And what about the apostles? Those men gave up everything to follow Jesus. They went against the authorities. They 
they went against long-standing Jewish tradition and preached in the name of Jesus. They left their families. They stood their ground in the face of jail sentences and government leaders telling them that they would be punished if they didn't stop. They put their lives on the line. Truth is, history tells us that all of the apostles except John died brutal deaths because they preached the gospel in the name of Jesus. They told the stories of Jesus, of His resurrection, of His saving grace, and it spread like wildfire, and the church grew. And then, of course, there are people alive today. Many of you have grown up in the church, and since your youth, you have believed that Jesus was the Son of God. Now, some have strayed. Many have strayed and come back. Some have found Jesus in later life and believe that He is the Son of God. I was raised in the church. I believed as a young child, but then I went astray. But then I found Jesus again and came back to the church. But I'll tell you one witness that really gets me every time I think about it, and that's my son, Robbie. As many of you know and have heard the story, Robbie had an addiction to drugs for probably about 15 years, and uh, right out of high school. And uh, Robbie went astray, and Robbie did some things he's not proud of. He had nine felony charges against him at one time, and he went and did some jail time. was in prison for a while. When you go to prison, you may not know this, but you have to get into a program. They have various programs, and eventually, when it comes time for parole, you have to have some of those programs completed before they'll let you out on parole. These programs help you with coming to grips with why you're in prison, how you can change your life when you get out of prison. And so Robbie is in jail, and he's saying, he called me one day, and he said, Dad, I, I need to get in a program and uh, the one I want to get in is full, but there's another one I'm trying to get in. There were about five programs that he could get in. And so um, he, he, he said, uh, I know you're a praying man, Dad, so pray for me. Even though at the time he really didn't believe. But he wanted me to pray. So I prayed that he would get in the right program. And he told me about all the programs. One of them was a faith-based program. And I said, Robbie, get in the faith-based program. No, sir, I don't want anything to do with that faith-based program. I'll go to any other program other than the faith-based program. As you can imagine, days went by what I prayed. <laughs> he couldn't get into any of the other programs. The only one that was left was the faith-based program. So he went into that program. The day after the first night that he was in that program, I had a phone conversation with him. As he picked up the phone, this was his words, Dad, I get it. You get what, son? I get what you've been trying to teach me all these years. I gave my heart to Jesus Christ last night. And since that day... I've had a different son. He is now married. He's got a beautiful wife who had 
three kids from a previous marriage. He's got a job that he's had now ever since he got out of prison. He has climbed the ladder in that job, gotten two promotions, and oversees the office of a landscaping company. He attends church regularly. In fact, just two weeks ago, his preacher had him up on stage giving his testimony about his life and how Jesus had changed that life. He's the best witness I have. You ask Robbie, what, who does he believe Jesus is? And he will tell you point blank. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he changed my life. Here's our connection. There's plenty of reason to believe that Jesus is the Son of God if we are willing. It does take a step of faith. It's not blind faith. Because look at all the reasons we can believe. Jesus claimed He was the Son of God. There's evidence that backs that up. There are prophecies and, and miracles and the resurrection. And countless lives have been changed of people who put their faith in this Jesus. Now I know some people just don't want to believe. Paul talks in 2 Timothy chapter 4 about a man who was so in love with this world and there are many people that are that way today. I like what the famous warrior Napoleon Bonaparte once said. I think we have this quote. There is between Christianity and other religions the distance of infinity. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne and myself founded empires. But on what did we rest the creation of our genius? Upon sheer force. Jesus Christ alone founded His empire on love. And at this hour, millions of men will die for Him. You see His point? There's millions of people that believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and they're willing to die. So I take you back to Jesus' question. Who do people say that I am? Well, a lot of people say a lot of things. But the real question is, who do you say that He is? Can you stand with Peter? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for uh, men like Peter and the other apostles who followed Jesus. And they began following at a time when they really didn't know. But Lord, even after three years, three and a half years of following and watching Jesus die, they were more on fire after they saw Him resurrected than they ever were. And Lord, they continued even to the death. Good reason to believe. And Lord, what about the countless lives that have been changed? Lord, you have worked in so many. And today we give you praise and glory. And I pray that if anybody listening today has any doubt, that they will look at the reasons and the evidence and they will say, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen.